0: Tonight, we're going to look at the greatest covenant of all. Let's go ahead and just pray. Father, we thank you tonight that we approach the living word of God. Lord, this is not just any book. It's your book. It's the holy word. You gave us this book to guide us, to correct us, to discipline us, to illuminate us, to enlighten us, to direct us to your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, tonight we pray that you will bring your word alive. And Lord, as we look at this last evening on the covenants, and we look at the last two covenants, I pray, Lord, that you will open our eyes to the beauty and the continuity of the word of God, how it's connected from Genesis to Revelation. Show us, Lord, help us to get it and to understand it. Now, would you breathe a prayer, church, and just say, Lord, speak to me tonight. I receive the engrafted Word in Jesus name. amen now before you 're seated, has anybody uh, could, do, you, do you guys back there uh, to put on the screen anybody working the screen back there? Do you have ready for me uh, uh, my uh, my blog address? Do you have the blog address that you could put up there real quickly because i want I, I want all of you to know how to follow me the, the, I blog about twice a week, and I want you to have this. Because it's gotten to where when I blog, it it gets from 5,000 to 21,000 reads quickly. And I I posted today, is this it? All right. So just search Pastor Jay Wick and click that right there. And it'll take you to it. And today I blogged um, our trip to New Orleans the, the 30 or so, uh, seminary students and the church members that went. And I put a video there of New Orleans, them, them witnessing, singing praises in these packed streets of Mardi Gras party-hardy people. And their voices are, are overwhelming everyone else. And the anointing of God has fallen on this street. And I even put the stats of how many people were saved, how many recommitted, how many healed, how many filled with the spirit. It was amazing. So I want us to give the Lord, I wish you had it to put up there, but give the Lord praise for that. Amen. All right. Turn to your neighbor and tell them it's going to be good tonight. Amen. All right. Now we've been learning how to understand the Bible through the lens Of the seven covenants God made with mankind. At the risk of being redundant. Let me be redundant. And let me read the covenants again. Because you you need to know these. The Adamic covenant was the first one. Then the Noahic covenant. The Abrahamic covenant. Mosaic covenant. Palestinian covenant. And then the last two that we're dealing with tonight. The Davidic covenant. And the new covenant. Amen. Now. Also, let me recap and repeat once again, as I have every uh, night that we've gone over this, we also learned there are three kinds of covenants. Same with me, conditional, unconditional, and general. Now, here's what a conditional covenant is. It's based on certain obligations and prerequisites. God basically says to us, if you do this, I will do that. If you don't do this, I will not do that. So the covenant or the fulfillment of the covenant rests on you and me and i've said every time i don't like that do you like that it resting on you hello everybody do you like it i don't like it either because that means i've got to perform and and i mess up too much amen anybody here mess up you think how many today can say i thought something said something did something i shouldn't have and the rest of you you're lying so you just now did it Now, that's conditional. Unconditional covenants are made with no strings attached and it will be kept regardless of your fidelity or infidelity to it. In other words, God says, I'm going to do it. I'm going I'm to bring this to pass. Let's talk about like the, the birth of Jesus. No man and no devil could stop that. It was an unconditional covenant uh, that God made in Genesis 3.15 that we've gone over uh, every single time. And the rest of the Bible is really the outworking of that Genesis 315 covenant where God says, I'm going to send a seed, capital S, talking about Jesus, and he will bruise Satan's head and Satan will bruise his heel. So that is an unconditional covenant. We don't have to do anything to make that happen. God is going to bring that to pass. And how many of you are glad he did, though the devil tried everything to stop it? Are you glad he sent Jesus? Amen. And Jesus returning is another unconditional covenant. No devil in hell, no man, no flesh is going to stop Jesus Christ from coming again. And I believe he is at the door. Amen. That's an unconditional covenant. Now, general covenants are not specific to any one people group. And they can, they they can involve a wide range of people. The new covenant, for instance, ratified by the blood of Jesus, is a general covenant made first to Israel, then to all the world. And we're going to look at that tonight, that covenant. Now, we pointed out that these seven covenants are the footprints that you can follow in order to understand the overall theme of Scripture. And what is the overall theme of Scripture? Here it is very simply, the coming of Jesus Christ to the earth. His death on the cross, his resurrection, his departure back to heaven, and the certainty of his second return. In other words, everybody, the Bible, stem to stern, cover to cover, Genesis to Revelation, is all about Jesus. It's about Jesus. Now, with each covenant, the bottom line theme of the, theme of the Bible comes more into view the coming of Jesus Christ, to live that sinless life, die for our sins, and rise from the dead. That's the theme. And in doing that, Jesus would deal a crushing death blow to the devil's head. When Jesus' blood was shed, it ruined Satan's weaponry. He lost death, he lost hell, and he lost the grave for everybody who puts their faith in him. If you have put your faith in Jesus... You're not going to die. You're going to live forever. Your body will die unless he comes back while you're still alive. But you will live forever. Your, Your soul is going to live forever in what Jesus and the Bible calls eternal life. So he destroyed death, he destroyed hell. If you put your faith in Christ, you're never going to go to hell, you're going to go to heaven. And he destroyed the grave. If you put your faith in Christ, though you might be put into a grave, you're coming out. You're going to come out one day. Amen. So this time we're going to look at the last two covenants, the Davidic covenant and the new covenant. Now the Davidic covenant is an unconditional covenant and it's found in second Samuel seven, 11 to 16. I love reading it because it's just powerful. What God says here, I want you to follow very carefully with me. Because the Lord is going to say some powerful, arresting things as he speaks now. It says, the Lord declares to you. Now, this is David being addressed. That the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over, David, and you rest with your ancestors, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. Your own flesh and blood. And I will establish his kingdom. He... now. He's talking primarily here about Solomon. He, Solomon, the one that was king after David, is the one who will build a house for my name. You remember, everybody, that David wanted to build God a house. And God said, you've been a man of war. You have shed so much blood. Uh, it's not you that I'm choosing to build me a house. It will be your son." So Solomon was chosen to build the temple, and he built the incredible, massive, spectacular Solomonic temple that when it was finally dedicated, the power of God fell so strongly upon the temple that nobody in there could stand. They all hit the ground uh, under the power of God. So that's what he's talking about here. He, Solomon, is the one who will build a house for my name. And I will establish the throne. Now watch carefully here because God is shifting gears in these next few words. I will establish the throne of his kingdom for how long? Forever. Forever. Now wait a minute. Solomon can't live forever, right? But here there is a promise. This is the Davidic covenant. God is making a promise. David, your kingdom is going to be an everlasting, eternal kingdom. Well, how can that be? I'm not everlasting. Solomon's not everlasting. None of my descendants are going to be everlasting. So how can that be? I'm so glad you asked, David. Here's how it can be. It can be because I'm going to, I'm going to turn your kingdom over to the God man, Jesus Christ. And he he is going to extend your kingdom. He's going to take it from a temporal kingdom into an eternal kingdom. But more on that in a moment. So, verse 14. I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, now he's talking about Solomon again here. I will punish him with a rod wielded by men, with floggings inflicted by human hands. That's the way they raised children. They disciplined children in those days. Now we let children discipline us, but that's another topic. Now, if you discipline somebody's child in school, they don't want to talk to the child about what he did wrong. They want to talk to you about how dare you discipline them. I mean, it is all messed up anymore. But anyway, verse 15. But my love will never be taken away from him, that is Solomon, as I took it away from Saul, whom I removed from before you. Your house and your kingdom, here he goes again, will endure how long, everybody? Forever, forever before me. Your throne will be, read it with me, established forever forever. Now, that's the Davidic covenant. That's it. The the Davidic covenant promises to bless David's family line and assures an everlasting kingdom. Now, you'll remember that when the angel appeared to Mary to announce to her that she was going to conceive by the Holy Spirit and she had been chosen to bring Messiah into the world. You remember that? I want you to notice what the angel said to Mary and how he connected her child with this Davidic covenant. Luke one verse 30. Don't be afraid, Mary. The angel told her you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and be called the son of the most high. Now watch what comes next. The Lord God will give him the throne of who? His ancestor, David and he will reign over Israel forever. Read the next five words with me, everybody. His kingdom will never end. See, we're on the winning team. Uh, Our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, is going to usher in a kingdom that will never end. It will never die, never gonna go away, never gonna pass away, never gonna be overthrown. There's never gonna be a coup. There's never gonna be a, a, a time where he's voted out no, our Jesus, our King, King of Kings, Lord of Lords, Messiah, Savior of the world, is going to have an everlasting, never-ending, that's a long time. Eternal kingdom. And we're in it. We're going to be in it. Alright? So this was so when he said this to when the angel said this to Mary, she knew exactly what he meant because she had been raised in Judaism. She'd been to the synagogue. She knew what the covenant with David had been. So now she gets an insight. The child that God has favored me to bring into the world is, is the one who's gonna grab the baton of the Davidic kingdom, the Davidic covenant, and, and carry it into eternity. Amen? Amen? Now, many in Jesus' day recognized that he was indeed the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. Mark ten forty-seven. remember blind Bartimaeus? When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout. What did he shout? Let's shout it together. Jesus, who? Son of David. Have mercy on me. Man, this blind man had an insight. He said, I've connected the dots. I believe he can heal me. Because I believe he's the one God has chosen to carry the Davidic kingdom on into eternity. This is no normal man. This is a God man. All man, all God, all God, all man, supernatural. He's God's Messiah. He's God wrapped in skin. God wrapped in flesh. Now through Jesus, the kingdom of David would take on its eternal dimension. Amen. Isn't that powerful? So once again, as we look at the Davidic kingdom, the Davidic covenant, we see the footprint of God's eternal plan, first revealed in Genesis 3.15. Moving forward now with the Davidic covenant. So let let me, again, recap what these covenants essentially stood for. In the Adamic covenant, the seed, capital S, Jesus Christ, is promised who will defeat Satan by bruising his head or delivering to him a death blow. That's the Adamic covenant. And that was given to Adam and Eve right in the aftermath of their sin and their fall. When it looked like they'd lost everything and they're, they're, I mean, they know they have blown it. They know that they made a gigantic mistake. They know they stepped off the cliff. But here comes our merciful God. And he says, look, I understand you did mess up. You did sin and you're going to pay for it because one day you're going to die. But here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to checkmate the devil. I'm going to checkmate him. And I'm going to send one who will bruise his head and undo everything he has brought on the human race. And God gave that in the dawn of time in the garden of Eden before they were even kicked out of the garden. God gave this promise. In the Noahic covenant, the next covenant, the ancestor of Abraham and thus Jesus is revealed in Noah's firstborn son, say with me, Shem, whose name means celebrated. The Israelite nation sprang from Shem. There was Shem, Ham, and Japheth. And Shem, Shem, the firstborn, was chosen as the lineage through which Jesus Christ would come. That's the Noahic covenant. So here's God working out Genesis three fifteen. Now in the Abrahamic covenant, the chosen race out of whom Messiah would come is birthed with the call of Abraham, who was the first Hebrew, or we could even say the first Jew. It was Abraham. In the Mosaic covenant, God prepares his people to turn to Messiah by faith alone, by giving them a conditional covenant. If you do this, I'll do that. If you don't do this, I won't do that. And he gave them the 10 commandments and he said, here's my standard of righteousness. Live it, walk it, walk it out, do it, perform it. But they couldn't do it. As we talked about last time, they could not perform it. There's no way today, somewhere along the way, all of us in one way or another broke one of God's 10 commandments. Are you aware of that? Come on, rush hour traffic took care of that, right? You thought something, said something, I hope didn't do anything that was not spiritual. Now, God gave the Mosaic commandments so that eventually people would wake up and say, my righteousness must be imputed by grace. I'm never going to earn it by works. How many of you are so glad Jesus lived it for you? And then when you accepted him, his righteousness was imputed to you and your sin was imputed to him. Amen. Now, then we come to the Davidic covenant. God promises that David's throne will be eternal, never ending. The only way for that to be fulfilled is for the eternal God-man, Jesus Christ, to be given, quote, the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel for how long, everybody? Forever. And his kingdom, say it with me, will never end. A billion years from now. We're going to be enjoying the kingdom of God purchased for us, made possible for us by Jesus Christ. Now, finally, we come to my favor, the new covenant. I'm so thankful I'm in the new covenant. Oh, I'm so glad I wasn't in the Mosaic covenant and had to perform like that and be constantly frustrated. We come to the new covenant. The covenant all of us Christians enjoy and we reap the benefits of, you know, just worshiping tonight and the Holy Spirit being with us. And today as we walk through our day, the Holy Spirit strengthened us, gave us wisdom, fellowship with us, gave us peace in the middle of some kind of a storm. Uh, We enjoy the benefits of our salvation every day. Now, here's the new covenant under the new covenant, which Jesus sealed with his own blood. Everyone is offered salvation, how? By grace through faith alone. Not by works, lest any man should boast. We'll never earn it. We'll never deserve it. We'll never jump through enough hoops to get it. It had to be imputed to us. It had to be given to us. It had to be gifted to us, all right? The Bible says in Acts 2.21, it shall come to pass that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. I love that verse. How many of you are so glad you're in everyone? You're in everyone. And there was some time in your life when the Holy Spirit convicted you and drew you, showed you your need of a Savior, and you said, you know what? I'm calling on the name of the Lord to save me. And as soon as you did, You are saved. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Not maybe so, perhaps so, hope so, but shall be saved. Amen. Now, this new covenant was first given through Jeremiah, the prophet Jeremiah. And let's look at what he said. The day is coming, says the Lord, when I will make a what kind of covenant? A new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant over and over and over again, chronically. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. But verse 33, this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. Now look at what he promises to do with the new covenant. I will... Put my instructions deep where? Within them. And I will write them where? On their hearts. Now he's talking here about an inside job. Now notice the old covenant was do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that, which is the way some people still see church today. I don't want to go to a church. It's all do this, do that. Don't do this, don't do that. Not under the new covenant. The new covenant is not all about what you can't do The new covenant is about what you now can do that you couldn't do before. Got it? I mean, you couldn't be free before, but now you can be free. You couldn't fellowship with Jesus before, but now you can fellowship with Jesus. You could never get into heaven before, but now you can get into heaven through Jesus Christ. You could not defeat the devil for a microsecond before, but now that you know Jesus. You can defeat the devil. He's under your foot. The blood of Jesus has set you free. All kinds of things we can do now. Amen. Now, so follow this now. He's talking about something happening on the inside of us. I will be their God. They will be my people. They will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord for everyone, from the least to the greatest. Now, that's talking about those who put faith in him will know me. Those who put faith in Christ will know me already, says the Lord. So relationship with him, we will know him. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never again remember their sins because of the shed blood of Jesus. Listen to the benefits of the new covenant. And this is coming out of Jeremiah, centuries before Jesus Christ was born. This glorious new covenant is a general covenant. in that The promise was first made to Israel, but then it was extended to the entire world, to everybody who comes to Jesus Christ in faith. Let me take you back to the Lord's Supper for a moment. Maybe you've never even thought about this. But look at what it says Jesus did. Matthew 26, 27. He took a cup of wine. He gave thanks to God for it. He gave it to them. And watch what he said. Each of you drink from it. For this is my blood, which confirms what? The covenant. What covenant? The new covenant. The new covenant, Jeremiah promised, God promised through Jeremiah, which confirms the covenant. My blood confirms or seals or validates or finalizes the covenant between God and his people, Israel. And that's when you read God's people in the Old Testament, it's talking about Israel. But look what he says next. It is poured out as a sacrifice to forgive the sins of many. That reaches beyond Israel to the whole world. So guess what we're in right now? We're enjoying the benefits of a blood covenant. And in the Bible, there was no covenant stronger than a blood covenant. Sealed not with ink, but with the ink of Jesus' blood unstained, untarnished, untainted, undefiled blood. It's a covenant. And notice the new covenant promises a deep change within every believer. Let me read it again. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts. So the the new covenant is not based on forced outward obedience like the old covenant was. You know? Why should I kill that guy? Because God told you not to kill him. All right, then I will not do the action. I will not kill him. But the new covenant puts in you a brand new nature where you don't want to kill him, where you walk in love, where you walk in grace and in forgiveness and mercy. You say, uh, in the old covenant, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. Somebody knocks your tooth out, then you go find them and say, let me see. See this tooth you you knocked out? Open wide, because I'm going to knock that one out of you. But now the new covenant, we have grace to forgive. We have grace to bless those that curse us, do good to them that hate us, pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us, and we are not in bondage to bitterness and unforgiveness. See, it's an inside job. The old covenant was an outside job. The, the new covenant is an inside job. I'm going to change your nature. If any man be in Christ, he's what? A brand new, say it with me, creation. The old is passed away, and all has become new. How much has become new? all has become new second corinthians five seventeen Everything has become new. What is that verse telling us what the new covenant was promised to be that In the new covenant, when we say, Jesus, I trust you, then God sends his spirit to live inside of us and he writes his law on our heart. In other words, we get a brand new nature that wants to please God. How many of you love it when you know you're pleasing God and how many of you hurt when you know that you didn't please him? Come on. See, that's what, that's what the new nature is like. We care what he thinks. We care about our relationship with God. We, it matters to us if we do something that breaks that relationship. We want to repent and get it right because we've got a new nature and he has written his law, his will on our hearts deep down. Amen. So everybody say, I'm changed. See, something has happened to you that no psychiatrist or psychologist could ever bring to pass, ever do. And I'm not against counseling, but you can't counsel somebody into a new nature. You can't counsel somebody into being set free from sin. You can't counsel some, Listen, I know, before I got saved, I was in more psychologists and counselor's offices than I care to tell you. My parents trying to get me fixed, trying to get me right. But nothing worked until I looked up by faith and said, Jesus, I've heard the gospel, and I'm asking you to come into my heart. And when I did, in a microsecond, Jesus did what years of counselors never even began to accomplish. Everybody say a new nature. That's, that's the promise of the new covenant. Can we just lift our hands and thank Jesus for that new covenant? Lord, right now, we bless you, and we thank you, and we praise you. That you cared enough, Lord, to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. And now you've given us a brand new nature. We're not the people we used to be. We're not who we want to be, Lord. But we're not who we used to be. For day by day, faith by faith, day by day, glory to glory, faith to faith, we're being changed. And, Lord, we thank you for it. Thank you for it. Give the Lord a hand of praise tonight. Now, if you want to read in the New Testament about the new covenant, there's no better book to read than Hebrews, and it's a hard book to understand. But I'm going to break down Hebrews just a little bit tonight as we look at the new covenant. The book of Hebrews, more than any other New Testament book, talks about the superiority of the new covenant over the old covenant. And the, there's one key word you're going to read over and over again in the book of Hebrews. and I want you to say it with me. Say better. Better. Have you ever, now I love key lime pie. Anybody in here love key lime pie? I love, to me, key lime pie had better be in heaven. I love key lime pie. If you've never had any, some of you are looking at me like, what's that? Has anybody in here never had key lime pie? Raise your, oh, come down. I want to pray for you. (laughs) And I want to pray for you. But see, I'm kind of now a connoisseur of key lime pie. I've had so many different uh, key lime pies from different restaurants that I can tell you, there are some restaurants, it's okay, you know, yeah, yeah, this is okay. I'll eat it because it's key lime pie. But every once in a while, you'll, you'll land on a restaurant that knows how to make key lime pie. And the first thing out of your mouth when you taste it is better. This is better. Even this is the best. Now, when you read the book of Hebrews, you're going to hear him saying, the writer is saying over and over again, this new covenant is better. The old covenant, it was difficult. It was bitter. It was was like a a, a teacher uh, disciplining us into grace. It it was not a pleasant experience to fail all the time and be frustrated all the time because I can't live up to God's word and God's law and God's commandments. But when you get to the new covenant, it's better. It's just flat better. Now, let me give you some examples. It says our new covenant offers a better hope based on better promises, with a better sacrifice, with a better possession in heaven, a better resurrection, all with a better blood. Better, better. Can we say good and loud, better? Better. The, the covenant that we're living in right now is better than any other. Anything that God brought in the Old Testament, we're in a better covenant. Now, Hebrews says, but in fact, the ministry that Jesus has received is as superior to theirs as the covenant on which he is mediator is superior to the old one. Since the new covenant is established on better promises. Verse seven. For if there had been nothing wrong with the first covenant, no place would have been sought for another. But God found fault with the people and said, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. So God promised, I will make a new covenant. Now, why did God find fault with the people? Because they couldn't obey it. So God found fault with the people. They couldn't obey it. But now God promised, all right, since you can't obey it, I'm going to give you a new covenant. So the new covenant is a better covenant with better promises. Now, let me just share with you a few ways it's better. The old covenant failed being weak through the flesh. Why weren't we able to obey the commandments God gave? Because our flesh was too weak. What did Jesus say? The spirit is willing, but the flesh is so weak. Amen? It says in Romans 8, 3, the law of Moses was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the bodies we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So the law of Moses couldn't save us because we were weak. We were too weak to obey it because we have fallen natures. Let me tell you something. I wish I could tell the whole country of America. I'm telling a lot of them through radio, but I wish I could tell the whole country. You're in sin. You need a savior. You're not okay. The old book, I'm okay. You're okay. No, you're not okay. We're, We're not okay without a savior. We need a savior. Why? Because what God requires for righteousness, we can't do. Our the, the, the commandments fail because of the weakness of our flesh. Okay? So the old covenant failed being weak through the flesh. But the new covenant doesn't fail because it doesn't depend on our flesh. But when we put our faith in Christ, then his righteousness, again, is imputed to us. It's reckoned to our spiritual account. Amen. Now, here's another way that the new covenant is better. The law did not provide a way of justification by faith, but the new covenant does. Listen to Hebrews 7, 19. For the law made nothing perfect. On the other hand, there is the bringing in of a better hope. There's that word better. Salvation by faith is the better hope through which we do what? We draw near To God in the old covenant, you didn't draw near to God. You dodged God. You hid from God. You were afraid of God, but in the new covenant, we draw nearer. Why? Because we've got a better hope. What's the better hope? When I put my faith in Jesus, I'm instantly saved and I'm as righteous as he is in the eyes of God. Can you believe that? I mean, you may not feel that way, but it's true. It's an old illustration. I use it many times, but God puts on red tinted sunglasses when he looks at you and me, real sunglasses, S-O-N glasses. And when he looks at us, he sees it through red tint. He sees us through the blood. He doesn't see our faults. He doesn't see what our spouses are on to us about all the time. He doesn't see us, our mistakes and our flaws. I don't mean you there, sweetie. I'm just making a general. I got to be careful here. Suddenly occurred to me, let's move on. (laughs) But when the Lord looks at us, he doesn't see our faults. Do Do you realize that he doesn't see our faults? No, he doesn't see all the shortcomings, you know, the anger problems, the, the, the different issues that we might be dealing with. No, he's got on those sunglasses, SON glasses, red tinted. So when he looks at this sanctuary right now, looks across this congregation, he has on red tinted sunglasses. Unless you're not a Christian, then it's no longer red. You're not covered in the blood. But if you're covered in the blood, he sees the blood. And the new covenant, the promise of the new covenant was he'll remember your sins no more. Can I tell you something that's impossible with God? We say there's nothing impossible with God. Yes, there is. He cannot remember your sins. That's impossible with God. Once you've repented, he can't remember your sins. Does that bless anybody here tonight? He can't remember. Now, the devil wants to remind you all the time of your sins. And you think a lot about your mistakes and your sins. But don't we need to step into what Jesus purchased for us? And that is, I am forgiven. My sins are washed away. My conscience is clear. I'm going to heaven. There's no more condemnation to those that are in Jesus Christ. So if he can't remember it, why should I? Come on, everybody. I'm forgiven. So, thank God, the law did not provide a way of justification by faith, but the new covenant does. Now, the third thing, the law could not impart spiritual life. Uh Uh-uh. The law could not impart spiritual life, but the new covenant does. Second Corinthians 3, verse 6. Who, now the who there is God. God, Paul is saying, made us sufficient as ministers of the which covenant? New covenant. Now here Paul is saying, I know there's covenants in the Bible. I know about the six covenants in the Old Testament, but I am a minister of the new covenant. Not of the letter. That's the law. But of the spirit, that's the new covenant. For the letter does what to people? Kills. But the spirit does what? Gives life. Amen. So the law never brought somebody to the place of being born again. Never. The law didn't bring spiritual life. The law magnified the sinfulness of our sin and showed us how badly we needed a savior. But the new covenant says, hey, when you repent and come to Jesus Christ, I'm gonna, I'm gonna pour life onto you. He that has the son, Jesus said, has life. But he that has not the son has not the life, but the wrath of God abides on him. Amen. So, are you thankful for life tonight? Aren't you glad that God made you alive? Come on, are are you alive tonight? Now, let me give you a couple of other examples of how the new covenant's better. Here's another one: the law was a conditional covenant with frightening penalties for disobedience, whereas the new covenant is based on God's unconditional promises. And it's driven by his own initiative, not ours. Now look at what Hebrews 8.10 says. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their mind. We read this a little while ago. Here it is again. I'll put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. So no longer... Are you under a conditional covenant where every single day you feel like God's wrath is on you? Isn't that a terrible way to live? Wake up just feeling like God's mad at you. His wrath is, I wake up every day and I just say, thank you, Jesus, for the blood. Because of the blood, I can come boldly into your presence and I have fellowship with you and there's no more condemnation. And that means I have peace because when I make peace with God, I experience the peace of God and I live in the peace of God. Do you live in the peace of God? You know, some days, all kinds of things come against us, don't they? I mean, people do us wrong, do us dirty. People let us down. Things don't go our way. I had a day like that this week. Nothing went my way. I just was feeling like I'm going to go back into my room and shut the door and get out of bed again and try it over again. Because nothing was going my way. You know, you have days like that. But, but you know, it, it's such a blessing to know that you can stop, you can pause, and you can give it to the Lord. You can cast all of your cares upon him, whatever it is that's wearing on you, and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, it will guard over your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. And I did that, and things turned. So I'm just saying, the peace has been purchased for us by Jesus. We need to take advantage of it. Amen? We need to take advantage of it. So the law was conditional, but the, the new covenant is not. Now, here's another one. The law did not bring everyone under it to know the Lord personally. But the new covenant does. Hebrews eight eleven: None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them. Can I just... You know, when people think about church and they think about Christianity, so often they think this way. It's just a bunch of do's and don'ts, and it's sort of a to-do list, and you're given this kind of book of rules and regulations, and it takes all the fun out of life, and and it's a religious exercise. It's religion, but Christianity is not religion. It is a relationship with the one who died for us. The Bible says, even though you haven't seen him, yet you love him. How can that be that we're slap happy in love with someone we've never seen? How can that be? It, it happens by way of the Holy spirit coming to live inside of us. Because as soon as the Holy spirit comes to live inside of us, Paul, the apostle wrote in Romans, he said, the love of God is shed abroad on your heart by the Holy ghost that is given unto you. And that was one of the, what really hit me when I came to Jesus Christ, it was that immediate sense of the love of God. And, and that night in juvenile home, when I had a felony on my head and I was in there for Salem Narcotics and the judge had said, I'm going to certify you as an adult and see to that you go to prison because you break every heart that ever tries to help you. And I'm done fooling with you and you're going to prison. And he sent me off to my cell on that note. Bad news. But then about three nights later, Jesus sent some good news. And I was invited to go down into a room where there were about 50 of us gathered and, and there was a straight laced. I mean, he looked like Clark Kent personified. He had the black frame glasses, the hair slicked back like Clark Kent. He looked kind of dull and boring like Clark Kent. And he had a couple of kids with him. Uh, that were playing these weird Jesus songs that I'd never heard. You know, give me the Beatles. Give me, give me Santana. Give me Zeppelin. But what is this? What is this? But. This, this Clark Kent stood up, and he let it go. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believes on him will not perish for everlasting life. And then he said, you boys are going to court for something that the judge knows you did. But you're going to go to another court one day, and that judge knows everything you ever did. And I was sitting there, and I'm thinking, and, and the gospel began to wrap its fingers around my throat, grabbed my heart. And he said, but you have a chance tonight to get saved. And he said, I'm gonna pray a prayer with you and I'm I'm inviting you to come to Jesus. And he said, now, if you wanna come to Jesus, get up. Get up? I looked around, nobody was getting up, so I wasn't gonna get up. So they closed their guitar cases. He looked kind of dejected. He was walking out the door and suddenly I got up. But I'm gonna tell you, I got up not by might, not by power, but by the spirit of the Lord, I got up. And I walked quickly to him, and I tapped him on the back, and he turned around, and I got out this much. Sir, I would like to. That's all I said. Sir, I would like to. And something broke me, and I began to weep and cry. And he said, come with me. He took me into another room, shut the door, and he let me sob, racking sobs, just just sobbing. I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was. I didn't know who he was. I didn't know that God had a spirit. I didn't know about salvation, but it gripped me It gripped me. And then when I was finished, he patiently waited. And when I was finished, he said, Jeff, do you want to pray? And I said, yes, but I've never prayed. I don't know how to pray. He said, I'm going to lead you. Hair down to here, skinny as a rail, wasted on drugs, no high school. Do you hear me? No high school. No ninth, 10th, 11th, 12th kicked out incorrigible is what they called me. You can't control him. And I prayed. First prayer of my whole life. Prayer of salvation. And something happened to me. I know what it was now, but I didn't know then. But I prayed. And I knew you were supposed to bow when you prayed. So I bowed. And when I picked my head up, we're in this dingy green. The walls were these green, this green color. I don't know what they were thinking. But, but when I lifted my head up, it looked so pretty to me. And I felt light as a feather. He gave me a little striped New Testament paper, just a little paper, paperback, a little New Testament, good news for modern man. And he said, here you go. I've never met him again. That preacher knows no, has no idea what happened to me. I've looked for him. I looked through all the Baptist roles, all of the, I searched every, I couldn't find him. No, I'm not saying he was an angel, but he was like one to me because he brought good news into that jail pit. And, and I asked the guard who was taking me back to my cell. I said, can you leave the light on so I can read a little bit? And he said, yes. And he left it on. I started reading the Bible for the very first time. and and, all the things Jesus said and did. Now, one thing I had going for me, I was a reader and I poured through that thing. I read that new, I read as much as I could. Suddenly the lights went off, but I had read enough to pray a prayer. I said, Jesus, second prayer from Jeff Wickwire, Jesus. I've made a mess of my life, a big mess. I've ruined my life. But if you can do anything with the mess that I've made, I'll give you my life. Now, God was looking in that little jail cell. I'm telling you, you talk about a hopeless young man. I didn't have a dream for the future. I had no aspirations. All I wanted to do was drug and do my own thing. But his power came into my heart that night, and it was love, love. And I, I was introduced to Jesus. The, the savior, it was not a religion to me. Okay, I'm, 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 I'm picking up a religion. I'm going to be religious. That's not what it was at all. I prayed this prayer and something happened to me. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away, all has become new. And, and his spirit came into me. I didn't mean to go into all this, but I just want you to understand that, that he put his law into my mind and into my heart. He gave me a brand new nature and I came to know him. And, and, and I, and I know him better than I did then, but I want to know him better than I know him now. And and I'm looking, I'm looking forward to the day I get to see him. Amen. So here at Turning Point, we're not, just, we're not preaching religion. We're preaching a relationship with Jesus Christ by faith through grace only that he purchased for you and me. Amen? Now, let me finish up. The last thing I want to mention. Here's another comparison to the two Old and New Covenant. The law kept worshipers at a distance from God because of his holiness and their sinfulness. Whereas the New Covenant invites us to do what? draw near. Now, let me just show you regarding this distance or closeness to God. Let me show you the comparison the Bible makes the old covenant. Here's the way it was. You have not had to stand face to face with terror. This talking about God and human beings. You haven't had to stand face to face with terror, flaming fire, gloom, darkness, and a terrible storm. As the Israelites did at Mount Sinai, when God gave them his laws, for there was an awesome trumpet blast and a voice with a message so terrible that the people begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command that if even an animal touched the mountain, it must die. Moses himself was so frightened at the sight that he shook with terrible fear. That's the old covenant God. All right. And that was when God was giving them the 10 commandments. He called them to approach the mountain and all these things, lightning, thundering, a trumpet blast. I mean, it was spooky stuff. That's the old covenant. And so they kept their distance. Here's the new covenant. But you, turn to your neighbor and say, that's you. What about you? You have come right up into Mount Zion. To the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to the gathering of countless happy angels. And to the church composed of all of those whose names are in heaven. And to God who is judge of all. And to the spirits of the redeemed in heaven already made perfect. And to Jesus himself who has brought us his wonderful new agreement. That means covenant. And to the sprinkled blood, which graciously forgives instead of crying out for vengeance as the blood of Abel did. That's why Hebrews says, let us therefore come boldly towards God to the throne of grace. That we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Amen. What a difference. How many of you are glad again? You're in the new covenant. So let me wrap this up. The new covenant is the final culmination of everything. The first six covenants pointed to it's the final fulfillment of God's promise to Adam and Eve in the aftermath of their fall into sin. God had promised. I will put enmity between you and the woman between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head devil and you will strike his heel, which he did at the cross. Jesus heel had a spike drawn, pushed through it, hammered through it. From that moment forward, God began working out His plan of salvation. And every one of the six Old Testament covenants He made with man, made with mankind highlights another step in the fulfillment of His plan. From cover to cover, the Bible is about Jesus. Can we stand up together tonight? Amen. And let's read this together, can we? The Old Testament. I want everybody here, I'll start over. It's up there. The Old Testament anticipates him. The Gospels manifest him. The book of Acts proclaims him. The epistles explain him. And the revelation predicts his return. Amen. Let's give him a hand of praise tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.